Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and uh, everybody of all ages and pronouns and everything else. It is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny, and we meet uh, together here every Saturday morning. It's our, I don't know, it's our own radio version of Cars and Coffee. Beautiful day for Cars and Coffee, by the way, if you're heading out to any one of the Cars and Coffee, including my home one, which is right up here on uh, uh, um, Shoreline, just in Shoreline, uh, at the big uh, shopping center where Sears used to be. I noticed that a lot of people um, recognize it when I say that's where Sears used to be because a lot of classic car owners are older. Although I'm really starting to see a lot of young people in the um, in the, the realm of classic cars and collectors' cars with 80s and 90s cars, uh, which are now, you know, collector cars and cars that uh, of interest. I'm not talking about, you know, necessarily anything that was a, uh, uh, you know, uh, like a high performance car or anything like that. I'm just talking about a regular, nice, clean, I don't know, 77 Chevy Malibu or any, uh, you know, 85. I've seen a couple of, this has been an odd thing. I've seen a couple of those, uh, uh, the uh, K cars as, as, you know, as shined up like kind of nice restored vehicles. Uh, when those cars were out and driving around, those Chrysler K cars, you never thought that you'd see one. I saw a uh, probably a 79, 78 uh, Plymouth van. Was it the Voyager, I guess? At a Cars and Coffee. And I mean, this thing was clean. It looked like the day it rolled out of the showroom. It was a spectacular looking car. So, I guess, you know, when you look and you say, okay, I'm going to say it's by the Sears, I probably should include something that's more common uh, to younger people because many people who drive these cars don't even remember when Sears was the big anchor tenant of that uh, big shopping mall up on, uh, what is it, Westminster and 175th, I think. And um, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's good to see that because that's how the sport will evolve, I think, uh, in the age of electric cars as well. I was out there last week after I did the show. I went out to Cars and Coffee. We did the uh, put the Ford Raptor out there. A bunch of people came along and took a look at it. And we're quite impressed with that. We'll have the review on that later in the show because there is a lot going on. Uh, this uh, this Saturday morning, I uh, wanted to uh, uh, get to a little bit. The uh, well, there's a bunch of stuff going on. First of all, I want to remind you. I don't know what time it's going to be over, but if you're coming north, I five is uh, according to the Department of Tra- Transportation closed for work until. I don't know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock this morning, maybe even 10 o'clock. Now, a lot of times they pick that stuff up early, but if you're heading north on I-5 this morning toward 5.20 uh, at that intersection, you may want to consider an alternate route because what they're doing is they take you off, they put you on 5.20, you get out of Montlake, turn around, you come back on the other side of 5.20, so they're putting that new interchange 
uh, in and, and the weather's nice. They're trying to get as much work done as they can. So that's uh, something to uh, keep in mind. And, you know, if you're heading up uh, up there that way. Um, I found an interesting article. As a matter of fact, it was not only an article, uh, but it ran across uh, a bunch of network news items as well. And I found it to be interesting, although very logical, thinking about, um, you know, the prices of cars right now and what you have to go through to get a car. And I'm going to do a show on some of the insanity that I have gone through to try to buy a car for my good friend. It has been unbelievable to, to go out and just try to buy a car because he wants a certain model of a certain configuration. Um, it's a, a bit of a rarer car, but boy, oh boy, is service dead in America. I mean, is, is it just DOA? And not just here, it's not just here. It's all up and down the West Coast. And I've even called places in Texas to try to find this car and in Arizona. And service at a car dealer, having a, a salesman come on, somebody who knows the product and knows what they're doing, is, is literally dead. I mean, I might have found two people out of maybe 50 that I've spoken to that have either, A, called me back, uh, B, um, uh, answered an email, C, uh, um, known the product so that they could. I mean, I had two two salespeople tell me that the car had an option. I've been looking for a Chevy uh, uh, Bolt EUV with Super Cruise. And to get this car, and they're out there, they're making them, they're in transit, but to find a car, uh, there's not a lot of them around. Uh, but two times I've gotten calls from dealers, oh, I got the car, I got the car. Uh, and it, the car doesn't have the Super Cruise. I mean, take it from me. Service is an important thing. I know that it's easy to say no because you go online now and buy everything, and we've lost that sense of service. But I think service still wins. And if you're a car dealer and you have people in your store that don't know the product, people in your store that don't return phone calls, people in your store that don't um, uh, do the basic necessities of a salesman or a woman or a person, just the basic necessities of contacting the customer, following up with the customer, having a consistent person throughout the process. If you can't get that together, believe you me, um, it, something's going to change radically. Ford is already talking about getting rid of dealers. Tesla has doesn't use dealers. They sell all their cars direct, and they sell a lot of cars. But I'll bet you, and I haven't gone into a Tesla showroom, but I'll bet you when you go into a Tesla showroom, you, you know, you get service. Uh, the person there, the product specialist, knows the car, knows what fits you, and knows also um, the price and everything else. And it's not a, not a haggling thing going on. But anyway... It's been just a, an experience with car dealers. And it really, I mean, I don't, I don't know that hearing from me is going to get you to get your, your act together. But I, I really, really, really ask you and beg you 
if you don't want to see a radical change in the way we purchase cars in America, uh, get your act together. Get people in those dealerships that know those cars. Get people that return phone calls, that treat customers right. You have to do that, or these companies are going to start to say, listen, we're just going to take it online. We'll give it, We'll give the cars to Amazon to sell. Because what does Amazon do? They treat the customer right. Exchanges, uh, if you call customer service, you get to talk to somebody. If you, uh, if, if, if you send them an email, they send you an email back so you don't feel like, oh, nobody cares. I mean, these are basic tenets of running a business, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And I know, listen, I'm, I'm the first one that shouldn't complain about emails because I'm bad at returning my emails, but I'm not selling cars. Most of my emails are personal life types of things. So anyway, that's just something to keep in mind. But uh, And I think partially that is the reason why people are keeping their cars longer. The average age of a car on the road rose sharply in 2020. Now, part of that could be the pandemic, but it used to be that you keep a car, the average age of, of a car was about 11 years, almost 12. Now, it's just short of 14 years, according to S&P Mobility. That's a sharp rise, a far cry from years ago when we used to keep the cars uh, you know, two years and trade them in on another car, two years and trade it in, two years and trade it in because you wanted to have the newest looking car. They took part of that away with the uh, planned obsolescence, uh, that, that whole thing of planned obsolescence. They took part of it away when they started making cars that looked the same every year. You didn't have to run out and get the new Pontiac uh, Bonneville because it didn't have a split grill. It had a solid grill across the front. You didn't want your neighbors to think that you were behind the curve. Uh, but I, I think that people now realize, now there's another factor is, and I really believe this to be true, is that cars are better these days. Cars last longer. We talk in terms now of cars at 200,000 miles and 250. It's not uncommon to see a Toyota running around with 250,000 miles on it. Used to be if a car had 250,000 miles on it, it was falling apart. You never saw that with Chevys. I mean, if a guy had 250,000 miles on his car, it, it usually was in the newspaper. Now, it's not beyond uh, the expectation of that you go out and buy a car, and you're gonna, if you maintain the car and take care of the car correctly, that it's going to give you that kind of, uh, of service. And if you have a 10-year-old a, a Toyota and it's got 150, 160, 170,000 miles on it and it's running just fine, you go into a dealership, you want to buy a new car, the average price is around 48,000 bucks. Your car's sitting out there 10 years old, but you don't have payments, $48,000 is going to give you about a, I don't know, $1,000 a month car payment, $700 a month car payment. If you don't need to have a new car, it, you know, you put that money toward your kid's education or maybe just live it every day. So the, something, and we talked a little bit about this with, um, with Ray and, and Zach last week. Some company is going to have to come out with 
uh, the sweet spot, lower a car for the average person, not for the person who wants to buy all the bells and whistles, but a more basic model that's safe, but yet accessible. A car for $20,000, $25,000, dollars somewhere in that price range. Now, you can say that, well, that's the advertised price on this car, but go to a dealer and try to find one. They're making money on the options. The dealers are making money so that they're opted out cars. They're loading them up. You can't find a stripper these days. A stripper meaning a car. <laughs> a stripper meaning a car that has few, if not any, options on it. It's hard to find that these days. You go to a dealer. Uh, you go. To, I was at a Hyundai dealer the other day, and I was looking at the Ionic 5, and that's a car that's supposed to be, what, 40 1,000, 42,000. You can find one for under 58. So now Chevy has come out with the new tracks, and that appears to be reasonably priced, but I'm sure that they're going to throw up, you know, items onto that and, uh, you know, kind of get to the point where you. You know, you're going in to buy a $22,000 car and you're walking out of there with a $32,000 bill because of the options and everything else. And again, I'm not saying that cars shouldn't be made safe. I'm just saying that the the spot right now is for affordable cars. The big spot is going to be for affordable electric cars. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I know that Battery technology is getting better, and so on and so forth. But not everybody wants to drive a pickup truck. Not everybody wants to pay $111,000 for one, like you would have to to get into the uh, Bronco Raptor R. People just want, I mean, the Henry Ford principle, you know, build a car that's attainable for the common person. And, you know, you will have, you'll have something. You'll be in a place where you can actually uh, go out and aspire to have a car in the next um, in, in the next uh, year or two. Uh, your payments are not going to be a thousand dollars a month. Maybe they're going to be four hundred or three eighty-five or something like that. Something manageable. I think manufacturers have to look at that market and say, "I may not make as much money in that market, but I'll sell volume." I'm not smart enough to know how, you know, the, the the pricing works and everything like that. But I do know that if you can't find a $40,000 car for under $58,000, something stinks. Something's not right. And you got to fix that or people are going to. Plus, if you're making cars that last longer, have less moving parts as in electrics, you're going to see numbers uh, where the people are keeping their cars longer. People are kind of out of that mentality of where I have to have a new car every year. There's more important things in life. If you have a 10-year-old Toyota uh, 4Runner and it takes you up to the cabin in the woods and does it just fine, are you going to go out and buy a new one unless there's a necessity? No, you're going to keep that one. You know, and it doesn't have all them darn gadgets in it. It's, you know, it's it's easy to, to maintain. It's less money to just know this, there's no that. It's you're less inclined to go out and buy a new car, take on a a, a car payment like that, and uh, of, of close to a thousand dollars, if not over a thousand dollars a month, and have a car that you're worried about all the time. I can't park it here. I can't park it there. I can't park it here. I have to put it in the garage. Somebody come along with a 
some device and start it up and take it on me? No. You'll stick with that 10-year-old uh, forerunner if it's running well-maintained. Something to think about. So S&P Mobility with this study, 14 years old is what the average passenger car on the road. It's risen for six straight years. So it's not just the pandemic that has done it. It is, uh, again, the, the fact that people look at these prices, especially since the pandemic, and go, whoa, I'm not going to pay $900 a month for a car. I don't know how some people do it. I don't know how they did it in the pandemic, but some people do it. But more and more people are saying, keep the car, uh, the car on the road. And the kids, you know what? Don't worry if you get your crayons on the uh, seat in the back. Don't worry. Daddy's car is, daddy's car is 11 years old, 12 years old. Go ahead and draw on the walls in the back there if you want it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we get a chance now to uh, welcome in our good friend. She's a regular contributor to this show, and she makes, I think, uh, that uh, Jill makes life a little nicer when we get a chance to talk to her about cars from pickup <laughs> truck and SUV talk. Jill Simonillo. Jill, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I have to admit I'm a little bit jet lagged, but other than that, I'm doing really well. <laughs> yeah, you've been all over the place lately. I mean, I've watched, you know, your Facebook feed and everything. I mean, you're flying here, flying there at the Volvo Museum. At the, uh, <laughs> you're, you're really putting some miles on this to, around this time of year. Yeah, yeah. So I literally um, just got back from Hawaii where I was looking at the new Toyota Tacoma. Ah, so if you have a truck named Tacoma, you want to show it off, not in Tacoma, but in Hawaii. Okay, I get that. Well, actually, so I didn't know this, but um, the reason why they did that is because the most purchased vehicle in Hawaii is a Toyota Tacoma. And Every other vehicle we passed on the road was quite literally a Tacoma. We were playing, you know, like when you pay like Love Bug or whatever when you're a kid yeah. and with the VW Beetles, we were like, Tacoma, Tacoma, Tacoma. Thankfully, <laughs> we didn't hit each other because I think we would have, everybody would have been bruised because there was literally that many Tacomas on the road in Hawaii. Very uh, that's, weird. You know, it's funny when I was in Hawaii, uh, I've only been there once. I didn't, I, I think I was so happy to be away from and in paradise. I don't know if I noticed what kind of cars were on the road, I, except I, I noticed this one Corvette, this brand, fairly brand new Corvette with the license plate Viagra on it. <laughs> <laughs> that is very noticeable. That That's a bit of an attention yeah, grabber, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, yeah, you couldn't miss that one. But other than that, you know, I, I, I wasn't really looking at the cars, but that's that's interesting that that is the number one state for, um, for Toyota Tacomas. How did you like the truck? I mean, a lot of people have been waiting for this truck. A lot of people have said that the, uh, this truck is going to, I don't know. I mean, it comes as a pretty good truck, but they're going to take a good product and improve it uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, we didn't get to drive it. We were just um, did did the walk arounds. We got to climb all over it, and um, they it, it appears that they've taken like everything that was wrong with the Tundra and they fixed it in the Tacoma. And they've taken the Tacoma, which was already really great. I mean, it's one of the best-selling, you know, mid-sized trucks. I'd say it is the best-selling mid-sized truck in the U.S. Um, and they made it even better. And so they've added a lot of cool technology. They added a lot of really nifty features, things you don't see in mid-sized truck segment. Um, they've um, done, a, like, completely upgraded the interior. They have, I mean, it, it is just... Um, it is very, very impressive. If it drives even half as well as it looks, like this is going to be a complete home run. And I don't know why you would buy any other midsize truck. 
It's it's interesting because that market is heating up. I mean, you got mm-hmm. the new GM product out, and then uh, you know the Ford, and then Ford's even coming out with maybe something that's a little smaller than that, uh, even smaller than the Maverick, I guess. Uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of competition all of a sudden in that below Jagunda um, pickup truck space. Well, you know, over the years, pickup trucks have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I feel like if you look back about 20, 30 years ago, the Ford F-150 was the size of the Ranger. Right. And and so, um, you know, as trucks have gotten bigger, there's just opened up this space for something that's a little bit smaller. And um, so I live in Chicago. And it's funny because I had the Ford Maverick Tremor um, uh, probably about three months ago or so. Um, I feel like it was maybe in January. And, um, I was, I was parking it on the street. Um, and this guy literally, and I live on a one-way street and this guy goes like this, passes me and then backs up as I'm getting out. And he was like, what is that? And, and I told him and he was like, what kind of engine does it have? What does it do? What, what is this? What is that? And he's like, this is exactly the size of truck I need. He's like, this is it. This is, this is what I need. And, and then he was like, thank you. I'm going to be looking this up immediately. And I was just like, Okay. And, and, but, you know, living in the city, I mean, people who do like handyman stuff, people like utilities, that kind of stuff, they don't need an F-150. They don't need a Ranger. You know, they need something that's compact that will store some of their stuff that will, um, you know, drive pretty well, that will parallel park in a city, you know, space. And um, when I I went to the work truck show in Indianapolis a couple of years ago, and there are um, aftermarket companies that will completely deck out that rear end with cubbies and drawers and things like that that actually make it very functional and useful, you know, for, for somebody who lives in a city and has, you know, a business. So um, I can see the need to get smaller. And I mean, I, anything bigger than a Tacoma or a Ranger or, you know, Nissan Frontier in the city, it just I mean, it looks ridiculous. Well, you know, last week I had a chance uh, to drive the Ford F-150 Raptor R. Okay. Which, have you, have you driven that yet? I have not. Oh, you, you know, I, I'll be really interested because my whole take on that truck is that that truck touches the part of a guy <laughs> that played with the Tonka trucks when you were a kid. And, you know, that's why you'll spend $111,000 for it because it's 700 horsepower. It's loud. It's fast. It's, um, uh, you know, it just, it brings you back to vroom, you know, when you're in in, in the sandbox or out in the backyard. And I'll be interested to hear your take on it because I wonder if it strikes most women. I mean, you can't say all women, but I'm interested if it strikes women in the same way as it strikes men, if there's that kind of connection there between truck and, I don't know, heart, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would say anything that goes fast and, you know, sounds very vroomy um, has a visceral reaction in pretty much anybody. Yeah. Um, and uh, I certainly like uh, fast trucks. Uh, but I, I don't ever, I don't think I've actually ever driven a Raptor vehicle. So not the Bronco Raptor, not the, you know, Raptor R, not the Raptor. Um, but I have driven the TRX. Ah, which and, is the Ram version of the same thing, really. Right. And they have I, 702 horsepower in the TRX. I yes. Yes. Lots and lots of horsepower. <laughs> um, but it was, um, it was, it was a total trip. And so I, I actually did a video 
for pickup truck plus SUV talk when I had it about how it fits in city spaces. And I like parallel parked it. I tried to go through a drive through. Um, I managed to make it through Starbucks, but the Dunkin' Donuts drive through that like went like with this little U turn. Yeah. I was like, I was starting to go into it. I was like, abort, abort. This is not going to work. Um, going through like the bank drive through, I was literally like um, driving sideways because I, I like I, I had a, a wheel on the curb trying to get through the, the drive through. Um, but then I took it up to um, Wisconsin and my husband has a friend who owns like a private airfield and he was like, he gave me access to one of his runways that wasn't as in use and let me play with launch control. And wow. I mean, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And it, so, I mean, it's a gimmick and, and it's not something you're going to use every bit, every day, but it's fun. Who buys that truck? Joe? I have no idea. I've seen, I've seen that truck in Chicago though. So yeah. somebody's buying it. I yes, don't think they're all media vehicles. $11,000, and, and you're probably going to pay a deal of premium on top of that for the truck. But I don't know. It, it just seems like I never say a car is a waste of money if it, if, if it you know, fulfills either a transportation yeah. need or a need inside in your soul and your heart. I mean, cars have a, have a way of doing that. Trucks uh, can really put your personality out there and, and – but this thing was, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was groovy. I loved it. I mean, that, that yeah. the sound, when you put that thing in Baja, I mean, you yeah. know, it was massaging your butt without a massage seat. It was right. great. I put it but, in Baja to drive down Chicago streets with all the potholes and speed bumps. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's like nuts. The only thing that, that was really interesting about it is I really, re, I, I felt it made me feel young in one sense. Three times I parallel parked it, and three times I got it in the first try. You know, and, and you know, now I grew up parallel parking. So, I mean, you know, we lived, lived right. in New York City. That's all you have is parallel right. parking. But, you know, this thing is, I mean, it's almost like parking a, an, an old Mack truck, you know. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. and it, it, it was really, I mean, Ford has certainly found a sweet spot with that Raptor. Right. Um, anything coming from GM? In that class of truck, or, or it, I know they have the GMC AT, uh, but but it's this is a super, this is a different animal, I think. Yeah, you know, it really is, and I don't, I don't think GM, GMC or Chevy are looking at necessarily competing with the Raptor. You know, they have the AT4X, um, and they have, um, you know, a lot of um, aftermarket uh, partnerships, like the the AEV partnership. And so, like, they'll have, like, the, the ZR2 AEV or the AT4X, you know, AEV. Um, they just announced a partnership, I believe, with the, the Canyon um, and a AEV, which is a 4 by 4 aftermarket uh, parts um, company. I, I want to say they're – I think they're based in Australia. And um, so, I mean, they they have something, but it's, it's nothing that is – you know, it's not going to have the horsepower. It's not going to – you know, have the, the Baja mode that you're going to see on the Raptors, um, yeah. or the TRX. Um, so they, they, no. <laughs> and, and as far as I, I know right now, no, Nothing they don't have anything But I mean, yeah. the one sad thing is, as they, as the company came to take the car back, which, uh, they had to pry out of my hands. Yeah. Um, there was a sad feeling like this, that's, this is the last we're going to see of, of this, 
um, you know, of the, the muscle car, the traditional thing that we grew up with, that, that loud, high horsepower, V8-engined mm-hmm. muscle car. Yeah. Uh, the cars may go fast. The trucks may go fast. But it's a different fast than the fast that you get in the gasoline engine truck. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there, there is nothing that will be able to replace the feeling of the vibration of the engine as it comes through the pedals and the seats. And you just feel that like in your soul. <laughs> and there's nothing that's going to replace that. There is no um, electric uh, wine that they can pipe through your speakers that's going to replace that vibration. And I mean, if, if you've been to an auto show recently and you've seen the Dodge Banshee, you know, the, the uh, muscle car version of um, the, the electric, yeah. um, you know, Dodge vehicles. I mean, they make that sound pretty, pretty good with, you know, a, a thumping audio system and, um, you know, amplifying the, the electric motor, but you're just not going to get that vibration. Um, yeah, you have that, to put a, a, something in the seat to make yeah. it kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just I know. I mean, how and then what? 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 What does that do? I don't know. Then it becomes a a, a Disney ride. I, yeah, I, I, that, I don't know. <laughs> it goes past. Um, well, listen, with what you're spending to go to Disney these days, maybe it's, you're almost going <laughs> to yeah. buy a, a a pickup truck with a vibrating seat. On right. the other end of the spectrum, uh, by the way, Jill Simonello from Pickup Truck and SUV Talk is with us here on Drive Time Radio. On 1150 KKNW, you uh, you went over and had a look at some Volvos, which is an interesting company right now, because everybody seems to be waiting for something to happen with Volvo. Is it happening yet, or, or is it what what's going on with them? You know, they I've been very impressed with them, and and to me, they're kind of like a Mazda, which is really really underrated. I think more people should buy Volvos. I think more people should buy um, Mazdas. Um, but the, the, their safety it, technology is really good, and they have, um, you know, they're starting to make advancements in electric cars that, um, you know, I think are, are, are pretty good. So um, what we were there to see, in addition to the Volvo Museum, which was really cool, um, but but what they are um, starting to do, so we, we drove the new, the 2024 um, C40 and XC40 recharges, and so... Um, Previously, those have been like dual motor, all wheel drive vehicles where with a front wheel drive bias um, that they were bringing over to the United States. Well, the range was 220 miles. That that's I mean, it's doable. But to me, it's kind of like the original Nissan Leaf, which had 90 miles of range. It was not enough. And so um, they have now um, innovated and they are creating their own um, rear motor. And they are making them rear-wheel drive vehicles um, or, or giving like a rear-wheel drive model that um, gets close to 300 miles of range and um, gives you a little bit, um, you know, more security safety in terms of how long you can drive this thing, but charges faster. And um, because of the placement of the battery and the weight of the battery, um, we didn't test them in snow, but what they're saying is even though it's real wheel drive, you're not going to have the problems that traditional real wheel drive vehicles have. Cause like right. heavy in the front with the motor or the engine, um, but which your wheels turning in the back, right. then you don't get the traction. But with this, the weight of the battery, 
you can have rear wheel traction and it will, you know, it's like putting kitty litter in your trunk. <laughs> that, right. that old trick with rear wheel drives. Barrel in the back of the, in the bed but, of the truck. Yep. You don't have to put anything in the back because, you know, the weight of the battery. And so they're saying, you know, they've driven them in Sweden and, and, and places like that. And which get a lot of snow and they're able to um, have the same kind of maneuverability that you would get from a, a traditionally a front wheel drive vehicle. So, um, but the, the, the motor that they're doing is developed in house and they're actually on their dual motor vehicles. They are starting to use that rear motor on those as well. So um, that was the big innovation for um, the, the C40 and the XC40. And um, then I got to look at the XC EX so many, so many. Yeah, uh, it, it does. It gets confusing. <laughs> it gets confusing. EX, EX90, which is their new three-row SUV that they're going to be bringing to the United States soon, which is electric. Yeah, because, uh, you know, the Northwest used to be, uh, not that long ago, the number one market for Volvos uh, because there were so many Nordic people up here and they loved the Volvo. They loved the chance to drive a, a car that was made in their country. And it's kind of gone down probably for a couple of reasons. Subaru has kind of taken that space over yeah. up here uh, and Tesla, uh, which has taken every space over. Uh, but uh, it's interesting to, to see that there's not that many now, but when you, uh, but people ask me a lot, what, what happened to Volvo? Where can I get, you know, where can I get, would be like a Volvo? Uh, do you think it's a good car? Is it safe? Is it this? And safe, you can always tell somebody it's probably the safest yeah. car on the road. Uh, but, you know, there's there's not a lot of Volvo dealers anymore uh, like there used to be, and it's it's definitely uh, and I like the comparison to Mazda because I'm a big Mazda fan, and it's it's the one good thing about a Volvo right now is you're not going to see twenty of them when you go out to the store. You yeah. know, you're going to find your car in the parking lot. Uh, it's 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 easily recognizable. So I'm glad to hear that they're uh, that they have some stuff coming. Um, a new three-row SUV coming because people are not slowing down on buying SUVs at all. I mean, I think that's the that's the future right there, and, and yeah. electric is the future. So somebody better have a good electric SUV. Um, the news came out this week. Uh, I know that because uh, my our, our friend Shad from Chevrolet was jumping up and down about the Silverado actually having more range. The electric Silverado having more range than they thought it was going to, how does that happen? I mean, it, it, I think it's a lot of it is programming and um, you, it, it, and, and I will say automakers are always going to, they're going to try to be more conservative um, than um, what they think they will actually get. And because they, they want people to be pleasantly surprised. And so um, through testing, through programming, through um, efficiencies, through weight, you know, they can get more range out of it. And, and, you know, when they announced the vehicle, I mean, they were looking at proto, 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 prototypes, you know, right. these, these vehicles don't exist yet. They've got a couple of mules that they're testing. And um, so, uh, you know, hopefully they're doing some winter testing because, you know, we found with the Ford F-150 that, uh, we did not get the lightning. We did not get oh, no. anywhere near a range of what Ford said they would no. get. So I spent um, the night on the back of a tow truck because I missed, you know, the, the range was much yeah. less than I thought, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I hope they're correct. Um, I, and I'll be honest with you, being in Hawaii, I did not see this, this range news. Um, but they, um, you know, I'm, I'm just fingers crossed. I mean, the technology is getting better. 
you know, the estimation is getting better. The testing is getting better. And as more electric vehicles are coming out and people are having these problems where they're bricking their vehicles because they thought they had the range that they didn't have, um, automakers are going to have to be more careful and they're going to have to um, be more specific. And I'll be honest with you, this is one of the things that I loved about Volvo is when I, so I had a, um, a Pulse, a Polestar recently, and that's, you know, kind of a, a sister company to Volvo. Right. Um, and I was driving down to Indianapolis and their range estimators, both for Volvo and Polestar are very, very accurate. So you may not be getting the range that you thought you were going to get. Like, so maybe the EPA estimate is 260 miles, but when you um, plug in your route, you say, hey, I'm driving from Chicago down to Indianapolis, um, which is 196 miles. And you're like, eh, am I going to be able to make it? Um, the, the estimate that they give you is actually very accurate. It may only be 220 miles of range, which is not the 260 miles of range you thought you were going to have, but you really do have 220 miles of range. So I think that what is going to be more important moving forward for an electric vehicle isn't the estimated range that they say that you're going to get, but um, like, you know, on the EPA, whatever, because that's tested in a vacuum and everybody knows even for gas cars, not true um, or not accurate for driving at 70 miles per hour on the highway. Um, You know, what's going to be more important is those technological software features that allow you to see what your real time range is actually going to be. So you're going to need these maps that are tied into real-time traffic that are, um, you know, then also connected to your battery pack that know like how you normally drive as a driver. And, uh, you know, do you go to the speed limit? Do you go faster than the speed limit? Like, I, I don't know if you've ever used Waze, but I've noticed. Oh yeah. No, I use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That I've noticed that it will estimate my time based on how I normally drive. Right. And so right. like, if I use my husband's ways or if he uses my ways, the estimate is very incorrect because we do not drive the same. Um, so, I mean, you're going to need the car to learn your habits. So driver profiles are going to be very important. Um, and, and so that they can give you these estimates that are going to be accurate for you, the driver and the situation that you're driving in and where you're going. And that to me is going to be way more important than an automaker saying, we've got 500 miles of range. Do we really, do we really, I need to know how, like, am I really going to get to Indianapolis? That's, that's what I want to know. Right. You want the car that's going to take into account what your mm-hmm. driving habits are so that uh, ultimately it will give you a true number and you won't be sitting out in a gas station on the inter- or, or uh, uh, on the side of the road or the internet and charge your battery up. What What's the number for pickup trucks? Is, is, there a, is there a set number that a pickup truck of range that a pickup truck has to have to, um, you know, to, to be uh, serviceable, to be usable for somebody to say it's a good idea to buy this truck or is that number not known yet? Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of anecdotal conversations, but uh, what I can say from the viewers at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, every time we do a live stream or we are, you know, we write a story and we look in the comments, 500 miles seems to be the number that the pickup truck owners feel comfortable with. 500 miles of range, like actual, true, real 500 miles of range. So it can't be, oh, 500 miles of range, but you're really only going to get 300. No, right. it has to be at 500 miles of range. And um, and is nobody even 
I mean, I don't think, unless I missed something, we're still a few years away from the 500-mile um, mark uh, as as a normal thing. Now, maybe there's bigger batteries or this or that. I drove the Mustang and had a bigger battery, uh, the Mach-E, uh, more range. But the reality is uh, we're still a ways away from that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I feel like um, Ram, with their revolution, has said up to 500 miles of range. But I don't know if that's just straight electric or they've been talking about a range extender. Um, so I, I, we, we probably are still like 2025 at least. Um, but it could be 2026, 2027 until that is an actual fact. And it has to do with battery. It has to do with charge times. And <laughs> I'll be honest, like pickup truck owners who are saying 500 miles of range, they are expressing their insecurity and um uh, and, and it's a, it's a real fear of the rate or the, um, infrastructure, you know, it has yeah. nothing to do with the truck itself. It's more about the infrastructure and the lack of charging and the lack of, um, uh, good charging along the highway. So like my boss, Tim Esterdahl lives in Nebraska and he, he says he has to go to Wyoming, which is about two hours away for him to get to a fast charger. Wow. And and so, you know, there, there isn't anything in Nebraska near him. Um, and he lives eight miles from Omaha. So, um, in, or eight miles, eight um, hours. Jet lag. Um, he lives eight <laughs> hours from Omaha. So, I mean, you, you know, where there probably is charging. Um, so, I mean, you look at the people who drive trucks, live in rural areas, work on farms. I mean, you also have people in cities who drive trucks because they, they, they need them for work. They like the way they look, but the majority of truck owners are going to live in these rural areas where there is no charging. And so they're saying 500 miles because it's literally going to be 500 miles for them to like, if they're driving someplace to get to a charging Right, Location. And, and until they build out the the network of chargers, so that you yeah. can take a trip uh, across Wyoming or across uh, on, on Nebraska or across mm-hmm. you know wherever you're going to go, uh, it'll be a no go for mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people until I get to that range. Interesting number that that you know I think a lot of people have in their head when they look at these um, at these trucks. Final question for you, Jill, okay. and I I'm only, I only ask you this because I have three friends uh, that are nailed to their computers. They never get off them except to drive their cars. Their cars are Teslas. So obviously they want to know when the Cybertruck is coming. If it's, if it's in a, a reality, is it what's going on with the Cybertruck? Um, uh, the last I heard, um, they're getting closer. They've got the production model nailed. They've got the, um, the windshield wiper set, the side mirrors, um, set like those were the two big um, like for for safety things and and yeah. government regulations. Those were two of the things that couldn't um, be done uh, f- with the original iteration back in 2019 when they introduced the truck. Um, but I feel like somebody did an interview this week or last week with Elon Musk, and he he was saying it's really hard to build. <laughs> Whoa! Surprise! Working really? this deal is hard. <laughs> Right. Wait till so, you find out how hard Twitter is. I, yeah, <laughs> super easy in comparison, I think. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I've seen some more realistic um, prototypes and, and versions of the truck on the road on pictures. I haven't seen it in real life yet. Um, but I just, 
your guess is as good as mine. They they keep saying by the end of 2023. I'm not sure. If 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 it is by the end of 2023, it may be like one truck that they yeah. will be able to push out. Um, I don't think we'll see any volume for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's bizarre, uh, and because it's so radical looking, it gets a lot of attention. But uh, you know, it's funny. I remember seeing a prototype of a Tesla. Maybe it was just a rendition in Car and Driver or something like that that actually looked like a regular Tesla, but with a pickup bed on it. And I and I've also wondered why they didn't go that route. Why they didn't just take a, a Tesla body, reconfigure it, uh, and make kind of an El Camino type of uh, a vehicle that had some payload to it, some towing power, uh, but you didn't have to go, you know, it, it didn't require you to, you know, try to come up with something that everybody was going to stop and think aliens invaded. Right. Well, because they're Tesla. I mean, yeah. you remember the whole thing with the X-Wing doors on the Model X. Right. You had to have that. You had to have that. And it took them, I want to say, at least an extra year to bring that vehicle in production just because of the stupid doors. So, um, you know, I, I think that there is something to be said for a certain level of perfection and creativity that he doesn't want to compromise with um, what he the product he's pushing out. So he wants to bring as what he promised as much as he can. And he's going to keep, you know, chipping away until he gets there. Um, but but I mean, it just we don't know, we, you know, it, it, so you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting um, but I think that the good news is once they nail it and once they get the production nailed and they figure out all of that stuff, um, then uh, I think the production will ramp up pretty quickly because, I mean, Tesla is good at that. You know, once once they figure their their um, stuff out, um, then they can move forward pretty quickly. You know, just it just came into my head this thought. Who's taught the other more? Has Elon Musk taught the car industry more? Or has the car industry taught Elon Musk more? Because both of them have had a pretty, a pretty big influence on each other. And I, I, I would say definitely the car industry has learned more from Elon Musk. Um, I think Elon Musk is brilliant. I think that he has a lot of great ideas. And I think he's like a bull in a china shop who is just going to charge forward and, and no matter what... Um, but, but I think that's great because he's been an amazing innovator, um, for, for the rest of the industry. And we would not be where we are right now with, um, the level of electric cars on the road, if not for him. Yeah. 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 I mean, he really took it out of, he showed, he showed that the major companies that you could build an electric car, it could be affordable. It could work. Yeah. How, how to do it, uh, and, and brought on this age of innovation, that we see in cars, yep. not just in electrics, but also in self-driving, you know, autonomous mm-hmm. car technology. So on two fronts, he's really, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Elon Musk fan in the world, but you got to recognize when somebody has really taken an industry and set it on its yep. ear, like he has done with the automotive industry. It's, it's yep. really fascinating to watch. Yep. 100%. Jill, it's good to see you. Good to talk to you. Glad you're back in the USA. Well, Hawaii's the USA. Wait a minute. No, I was <laughs> it about feels Hawaii. like a different country, but yes. <laughs> uh, you weren't tempted to stay over there for a lot longer, huh? Oh, darn. Missed my flight. Yes, I was very tempted to stay. <laughs> oh, man. All right, it's good to talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And by the way, thank you for letting me use your picture in the uh, hunk in the trunk. <laughs> I know, the hunk in the trunk uh, because <laughs> you are the girl in the trunk. So, I mean. Yep. 
you know, it felt, uh, I, I called you and asked your permission because I wanted to make sure, but uh, I got a lot of good positive uh, reaction. And everybody wanted to know, who's the girl in the trunk? <laughs> that would be me. All right, Jill, listen, thanks a lot for joining us. Take care of yourself. Thanks, you too. It's All always right. a joy to be here. From Pickup Truck and SUV Talk. Uh, and uh, you can go to her. Um, we still have you for a second. Where's, okay. Where can people hear your podcast? I almost forgot. Oh, yeah. So I have a couple of podcasts. One is Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and we usually live stream that on Monday nights um, around 7 time central. I've been traveling a lot, so we've kind of been on hiatus a little bit, but um, we do post when we are going to be doing a live stream. Um, then the, I do um, the Car Stuff podcast with Tom Appel from Consumer Guide Automotive, and um, that is also on Mondays. Um, and that's at 3 p.m. Central Time on um, talk radio, uh, yeah. so internet uh, radio. And, uh, yeah, so those those are the two podcasts I do, so Car Stuff. And you can get them on any service that distribute podcasts if you're not available on Mondays, which clearly I'm not available on most Mondays these days. Um, but uh, you can download it uh, – pretty much on any like uh what is it itunes or yeah as, uh, as i like to call them your local podcast bodega yeah your local podcast bodega you they're, they're both there so um but yeah and then you can find me on any other social media um as myself jill simonello i just spell out my name jill simonello all one word and um i use the hashtag card is your so that is awesome. how i can be found I wanted to make, I almost forgot to let you, you know, tell our people where you, where they can find because uh, I get a lot of great comments about your appearances on the show. People really love to hear from you. Oh, so thank you. they can get full, they can get full-time Jill. And full-time Jill. Mini. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Jill, take care. care of yourself. You, you too. Thank All you right. for having me. Yeah, thanks. Jill Simonello joining us. All right, let's, uh, let's do a quick Yo Vinny. Yo Vinny, what are you driving this week? Well, the Yo Vinny is quick. Uh, I don't know if I'm quick or not. <laughs> I need a wow. Raptor to drive, and I then I can be quick. How long I went with with Jill, man? I was like, whoa! <laughs> uh, all right, this week I'm driving the. Uh, this is a, a great little car. It's the Kia Sportage, uh, but they've uh, fancied it up with uh, something they call the X Pro. It's all wheel drive. Eight-speed automatic, uh, drive mode select and all of that. But, they, you know, like everybody's doing now, they've made it look like it's more off-road worthy. Is it? I don't know yet. I'm going to take it off-road this afternoon, and we'll see if it is. But, the, uh, you know, it's, it's a typical Kia. has a lot of uh, tech in it. It, it. it, you know, drives well. It answers the uh, call of uh, a, a a car that's in the RAV4 kind of class, uh, but for less money. And it's a sharp-looking car, a very sharp-looking car, comfortable to drive and um, spacious inside. So there's a lot of a lot of good points about this Kia. This is, uh, we've, we've driven a bunch of Kias in a row. So I'm anxious to drive it more and give you a full review next week. But for now, the 2023 Sportage, X-Pro Prestige all-wheel drive. It seems to be a really fun and, and good car to drive uh, and to uh, to consider if you're looking for something in that class. Let's, uh, let's quickly now go to our drive time road test. The drive time radio road test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, yeah, not, nothing ugly. Well, I don't know if you could say nothing ugly about this because I think the, the ugliest thing about the 2023 Ford Raptor 
our F-150 pickup truck was the number on the gas pump uh, when uh, I went to refuel this car. It almost gave me a heart attack. Not, not quite, but it was so close because it's got a 36-gallon tank and it gets 10 miles to the gallon. So you really, really um, are not going to buy this car if you are thinking at all about the price of gas. If you look up there when you're driving by a gas station and see five bucks and say, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is not the car for you, uh, the truck for you, the vehicle for you. Um, now, if you're somebody that has some money and you're somebody that, that likes to collect fast cars, if you're somebody that likes to be looked at, if you're somebody that likes uh, the feeling of driving what is probably going to be one of the last incredibly fast, incredibly uh macho, as I like to call them, trucks uh, that come out of a factory in Detroit. You can't do better than the Raptor R. You just can't. 700 horsepower. It's the uh, Carroll Shelby motor in there that they use in the Mustang. And it's, it's loud. It vibrates you. It goes fast. I mean, uh, faster than you're ever really going to be able to go anywhere. You have to take it as Jill did when uh, she had the, the, the other uh, truck, 2A of the Ram. Uh, you have to take it to an airport or a racetrack or something like that uh, to use it to get close to its top speed. Uh, again, 700 horsepower, enough uh, torque in it to pull that a tree stump out of the ground and fling the tree stump over your head <laughs> and land it in front of the car. Um, inside, you look at the Raptor and they give you uh, you know, extra hood scoops, extra brake cooling scoops on it. Uh, the tires are unbelievable. You get those incredible um, uh, BF Goodrich uh, tires that are on there that just, uh, you know, grip the road. It's, um, it's incredible. It is a, uh, you know, a truck that not only has enough power with the twin turbo uh, engine that's in there, uh, excuse me, the supercharged engine that's in there, but it also rides really well. Uh, it's a comfortable truck to ride in. The Recaro seats help that, but it's not like you're bouncing up and down and everything. It's a very comfortable, very uh, soothing ride, which surprised me a lot because usually when you have that kind of vehicle with all the suspension parts and everything in it, it gives you a bit of a of a jump. But this one had none of that at all. It was um, the only drawback again to these trucks and to this truck in particular is that you had to um, you know to parallel park it or go through a small drive-through space or something like that is a little hairy. Uh, you really have to practiced a little bit but as I said I parallel parked it a couple of times had no problem with it if you go through uh, Dick's drive-in over here uh, every kid will stop and, and look at the truck and want you to peel out I've never been asked to peel out so many times in my entire life as I was <laughs> with the Raptor except when I drove a Corvette but it's a great truck it's the last really I think a V8 gasoline-powered throwback to an earlier age when cars were called GTOs and 442s 
and super sports and Cobras, uh, all of that, this is the last. This is it. Uh, If if you want to hold on to that memory, you might want to buy one of these and hold on to it. As I drove it, it was $111,000 with destination charge, not including tax and license. So you better have a pretty penny. But if you want to get your plywood, uh, we went to the dump. We did a dump run with this truck. And the guys in the dump in Snohomish County were looking at it and, and approving. They got the dump guys' approval. They see pickup trucks all day. Very loud under the thing. All right, that's drive time for this edition of Drive Time. We will catch up with you next week at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, if the Lord's willing, and the creek don't rise. Thank you for every to everybody for making this work.